Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to walk in your royal identity in Christ and experience God's goodness in every area of your life. I hope you enjoy this message today. And if you're looking for more resources, check out chrisvalentin.com. I want to talk to you about, um, that, uh, about fear, that fear is not your friend. And how many of you know that fear is an equal opportunity destroyer? So there isn't anybody, is there anybody in here who's never been afraid? Hmm, one person in your life and you have a problem with deception? And lying. <laughs> so turn to 1 John chapter 4 and we just want to start there. 1 John chapter 4 says, Beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they're from God. For many false prophets have went out into the world. Um, I just want to begin by saying that fear is often a spirit. Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. Love, power, and a sound mind. And here, First John says, Beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they're from God. For many false prophets have went out in the world. Let's go down to verse 18. In verse 18, he says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love, what? Casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. So, how many of you understand that God is love? Okay, let's see, let's try this again. How many understand that God is love? There we go. That's, I thought I was still in the wrong country or something went on here. God is love, and if, we, if you love, if you love God, and you understand the love of God, and you know you're loved by God, perfect love casts out fear. So ultimately, fear says that I am not loved by God. Fear says God does not love me. Fear says something bad's going to happen to me. And when I'm afraid, I'm actually saying that I don't trust God. Okay, so let's just, let's just boil down to like, what's wrong when I'm afraid? Well, at the core, you know, obviously there's levels of this, but at the very core of my being, I actually don't know the nature of God. Because the nature of God is that He loves me, and if I understood how much he loves me, that it's indescribable, that, it's, that he, loves me, he loves me beyond knowledge, that I can, only, I can experience what I can't understand, that my heart can go places my head couldn't understand, that when God begins to love me and I begin to let God love me, and when I, when I begin to assimilate the love of God, my brain's like, what's happening? What's happening? Whoop, whoa, whoa, overflow. Because my head cannot comprehend what my heart can experience. And I'm convinced that every time I and you get afraid, it's because we're lacking an experience of the love of God. Not, a defi- not the definition, the experience. And I can't tell you how many times I have counseled people who can tell you, um, Jesus loves me, this I know. And they're totally terrified, that's so... <laughs> I mean, they are terrified, and they're telling me, I know Jesus loves me. And I'm like, okay, here's your real problem. 
You don't know God loves you. Oh yeah, I know God loves you. God loves me. Uh, John 3.16 has been my favorite, my, my memory verse. And it's like, yes, yes, you remember it, but you haven't become the message. You've remembered the message, but you haven't become the message. Well, how do you know that? Because you're afraid. <laughs> and if you knew the love of God, you wouldn't be afraid. If you understood how much God loved you, you wouldn't be afraid. Are you, are you with me? And so fear is a symptom that something else is wrong. Are you with me? When I'm afraid, I can say, well, okay, I'm afraid. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me is somehow I've lost connection with the fact that God is, owns everything and he's my daddy. And that he, he has control of the whole world. And when I call on him, he answers and he cares about what happens to me. And so when I go into a situation, I get afraid, it's because I've forgotten who loves me and how much power he has. The worst thing that could happen in your life is that you die. And Jesus said, don't fear the person who can kill you, but only one who can send you to hell. Who's that? God. And he happens to love you, so he doesn't want to send you to hell. You... <laughs> I was... Uh, really tormented, this is uh, many years ago, probably 10 years ago, with this thing I was going through, um, physical thing I was going through, and I had a friend who had been through a cancer um, surgery and was on the verge of death at one point in his life. In fact, his name was Bob, so I called Bob and I said, man, I'm really struggling. I said, have you, uh, I said, when you went through that whole deal with cancer, I said, were you afraid? And he said, you can't threaten me with heaven can't threaten me with heaven. I said, so you were never afraid? He said, no, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And I'm like, hmm, okay. I'm going to go call someone else who will actually connect with me, <laughs> who will validate that I should be afraid right now. But actually, he really encouraged me. So I, I want to, let's turn to uh, Nehemiah chapter 4, and these will be familiar passages uh, in, in our lives, but I want to talk a little bit about um, fear and, and how to get past fear. I feel like this is really timely. How many of you are going through some high level of, of fear in your life right now? Wow, maybe uh, at least 25-30% of our students. Um, how many of you have ever been through high level of fear in your life? Ha <laughs> ha, there we go. <laughs> Kumbaya, Lord. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting that Paul said There's no, there is no temptation except for it's common to all men. And one of the things I think that happens in each of our lives is don't matter what you're going through, you have a sense that you're the only one who's ever gone through it. I don't know why, but you know how we say misery loves company? If I could turn that around to something positive and say, there is something good about knowing that someone has been through this misery before and that they've come out the other side and that I'm going to be okay. In that sense, it's positive. In other words, I don't like misery loves company, but I do like there's no temptation that's, that, that, that you've had except for that's common to all men. That does say misery has company. And so, you know, there's nothing that, you, that you'll ever go through that someone else hasn't been through before, and probably about one other billion people on the planet. There's nothing that you've been afraid of 
that someone hasn't been afraid of before. I, I was, um, got on Google one time, was just goofing around, and, and I don't know how, I just by accident probably misspelled a word, which, gosh, how could that happen in my life? But ended up with all these phobias. And, you know, like the fear of this, the fear of that, the fear of this. And my goodness, they have names for fears I've never even known people could be afraid of. And so, um, you know, I mean, there, there's, there's, not a, there's nothing you could be afraid of that they don't have a Google for. <laughs> I don't think I meant that the way it came out. <laughs> but chapter 4, of verse, uh, verse 1 of the book of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah, his name means comforter. I love this book. His name means comforter. And he sent to rebuild the walls and set up the gates of Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem, you'll remember that Cyrus, who Daniel worked for, remember Daniel worked for four kings. Um, Daniel worked for Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, his, his son, and then Darius, who put him in the lion's den, and then finally Cyrus, who let the Israelites go and rebuild Jerusalem. So they went and they rebuilt Jerusalem, especially the temple. They rebuilt the temple of Jerusalem, the most expensive building in, in uh, human history. Um, the building was, at, at least the original building was uh, 1,600 square feet, 16 by 16, but I think it was also 16 feet high. And it was covered with solid gold, and some people estimate the building to be over $20 billion, just the building, which would be the most expensive building in human history. And so Cyrus lets the people go back, they rebuild the temple, they rebuild the city, and then they start to set up the, gate, the walls and the gates, which you would think would be not that big of a deal, except for they work on that for, I forget how many years, something like 72 years, they're trying to rebuild these, these walls and these gates. And remember that these walls and gates, if you will, in those days would be like their defense system. It'd be like us not having an army, like us not having uh, any, any weapons. So this would be their defense against the enemy. And Isaiah 60 says, you'll call your walls salvation and you'll call your gates praise. So this really did happen. I'm not saying that the book of Nehemiah is one big metaphor, but I am saying that in the sands of Jerusalem, God was literally acting out a prophetic declaration of how we ourselves build our lives and how God builds in us. He sends Nehemiah. He sends the comforter to us. The first thing the comforter does is he sets up the, the temple. He rebuilds the temple in our life. And God comes to live in our life. And then he begins to set up the walls and the gates. Now, for some of us, this feels a little confusing uh, if, I, if I move to this metaphor because Sometimes I find that someone gets saved, and let's say they were a drug addict, a heroin addict. And we've all heard testimonies like this. I was a heroin addict. I received Jesus. The day I received Jesus, I got totally free. I got, my walls were set up, and my gates were set up, and someone built the temple at the same time they built the walls and gates. And we're like, that is awesome. Great testimony. And then everybody else around them is going, that's interesting, because I spent the next 10 years trying to be rebuild my walls. Like, Jesus came into my life, and I spent the next 10 years trying to figure out how to protect the temple. How many of you can identify with both in some ways in your life? And so this is a great story of how the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, comes into our life. He sets up the temple. He sets up the place of residence, and he begins to build the walls 
in our life, the walls of protection, and the gates of access into our life. And so some of us are like people that are, in fact, Proverbs says that a, an angry man is like a man that is like a person who has no walls. And so um, these walls and these gates, some, some of us have walls. Our walls are all set up, but we have no gates. And what I mean by that is we don't know how to say no. We don't know how to, how to, how to, we, we don't know how to set boundaries. And, and people in, in both realms, in the spirit realm, demons and people just have complete access to us. And we're like, what's wrong? And it's like, we don't have any gates. Like, we don't have any way to close that gate and say, no, you can't come in. Or open the gate and say, Holy Spirit, come in. It's just like, we're just free. We just have free access. I'm sorry. There's free access to our soul. And we feel powerless and vulnerable. And, and like, we're a doormat for people. And so the Holy Spirit wants to come in our lives and he wants to set up the walls of protection, of salvation. And he also wants to set up the gates, the gates of praise, if you will. He wants the gates to be positive. He wants <clears throat> only positive things to come into our life. But I like this because as the Comforter comes into our life, this chapter 4 is one of my very favorite chapters in the Old Testament. In fact, I know uh, a lot of it by heart. Verse 1, it came about that when Sampel had heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious. And I like this. He became furious and very angry. <laughs> and he mocked the Jews. Now, if any of you are writers, if you sent that, this chapter to your editor, they would say, furious or angry, but we don't need both. So they would have edited the Bible. But Nehemiah wanted you to understand that the guy was enraged that Sambella and Tobiah he wanted to make sure that you understood they weren't just a little angry. They were enraged that somebody would actually have the audacity to set up the walls and the gates in the lives of Jerusalem. And I'd like to propose to you that oftentimes we encounter the greatest fear in our life as we begin to move forward and begin to build walls around our life. And I'm not talking about you know, some kind of unhealthy wall where I'm just, you know, I'm a hard person, I'm, I'm a rock, you know, a, a, a hugging me is like hugging a porcupine. I'm talking about healthy boundaries. I start to develop healthy boundaries around my life, and the access points of my life actually have gates. Like, I can actually close off the access points to my life. I can actually say no. In other words, I have walls to bad things, and I have gates to good things. I can actually say, you know, you're my friend, but you can't come over tonight because I need rest, because I'm doing my homework, which I know that you all have those kind of gates, <laughs> especially when it comes to the opposite sex. I am doing my homework tonight. I can't go out on a date. Why don't we just all say that together? <laughs> I am doing my homework tonight, and I cannot go out on a date. Okay. Yes, I noticed that you didn't shout that. Okay, so we're back to Nehemiah. And so Nehemiah chapter one, it says that he spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria. And he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore for themselves? I, this is, uh, I think we went through this before. These feeble Jews, you feel powerless. 
Listen, when I get afraid, I feel powerless. Or let me, let me reverse that. When I feel powerless, I get afraid. When I feel powerless, I become afraid. What are these feeble Jews doing? Can they restore it for themselves? I feel, not only do I feel uh, vulnerable, but I feel incapable. I feel incapable. Why am I afraid? I feel incapable. The next one, can they offer sacrifices? My relationship with God feels like, like it's non-existent or that God is distant. Can they offer sacrifices? Where's their relationship with God? These, these, these feeble Jews, these, these pitiful, powerless, godless people. And then he says, can they finish it in a day? Are you, listen, you're, 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 are you capable? My, my, my gifts, I, I, I'm not really good at anything. I start to think of, listen, I'm, I'm powerless. My relationship with God isn't very good. I, I, I'm, I can't, I, I'm restoring it for myself. I'm, my, my motives are bad. And, and not only that, can I finish it in a day? I don't really have the ability to do what God's called me to do. Can they revive the stones, even the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? And, and, and that, that has to do with my past. It's like I, I have such a bad past, the dusty, the burnt stones of my life. How many of you know that you're living stones? My, the burnt stones of my life represent the relationships that have gone bad in my life. The dusty, the, the burnt stones, the dusty rubble of my life. I've been through a divorce. I've destroyed my relationship. I was immoral. It's, it's the, listen, the reason why you can't finish these walls, the reason why you can't set up these gates is because you're an immoral person. You have, you, you've destroyed your relationships. You're divorced. You were a drug addict. You are, you're a, you're a burnt stone. You are not a finely polished stone. You're a burnt stone. Are you able to listen, let me tell you about your past. Listen, you have a, you, let, me, let, me, let me just say this. You don't have a very good track record of being able to set up your walls. See, your stones are burnt. You, you have burned people. People have burned you. Listen, don't think you're going to do, listen, how many times have you said, I'm never going to do that sin anymore? How many times have you said, I'm never going to look at porn anymore? How many times have you said, I'm never going to sleep with somebody who's, uh, who I'm not married to? How many times have you said, I'm never, going to be, I'm never going to let anger take me over? How many times? Listen, you got burnt stones. Your past is dictating your future. You're a feeble Jew. You're powerless. You are over. Listen, sin is mastering you. And you are unable to restore the walls and gates of your life. I can prove it to you. Here is your history. Yeah, you're all looking at me because you all heard that. And that book was written 500 years before Christ. It's the same weapons of warfare that are against you. It's the same lines. And Nehemiah says in verse 12, I love this. When the Jews who lived near came and told us 10 times, they're going to come up against us in every place where we turn, then I stationed men, listen to this, in the lowest parts of the space. Follow me. I stationed people in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall and the exposed places. Everybody say lowest spaces, lowest and, exposed places. and exposed places. Where did I 
put, stationed people in my life at the places that were exposed and were the, at the low places of my wall. In other words, I went out and I got accountability. When I saw that the enemy was raging against me rebuilding my walls, the first thing I did is said, I'm going to get some people who can stand in the places that I have not had success. So if you can picture um, rubble, a, a wall that was torn down, probably there was places that were still there. You, you can visualize it with me. There's a wall, and, and it's not like the whole wall fell over. It's like, like 60% of the wall's gone, and there's places that are still there. I took and I put people in the places that were exposed. What is that saying? I got accountability. I found strong people where I'm weak. Listen, this, this helps you feel like, this, this helps you to get to this place where I don't feel like a powerless victim because I have, I have exposed, my exposed places are covered and I have accountability in my life where I have fallen before. So if I've fallen into, um, let's say, immorality, let's say I have a history, a past, my burnt stones, I, you know what, I've, I have girlfriends and I, I end up in bed with them. And this is my pattern. Like I've done this not once, I've done this four or five times and now I've found this woman I'm in love with and I, I really do love her and I feel like you know, we read the, the Moral Revolution book, and we've read the Bible, not in that order. And, and, and we've, we've agreed on core values, and we said, yes, we both want to come to the altar up here. We want, we, God restored our virginity. But we, we have to say, listen, we have some burnt stones in our life. Okay, we need some people who have walked this way before, who have not failed. I don't need my friend who's like, yeah, you know, you guys, yeah, yeah we've, we've fallen too. You know, we've done our best and, you know, everybody, nobody's perfect. I don't need those kind of people in the low parts of my walls. Listen, I'm not looking for mercy when I'm building accountability. I'm looking for strength. I'm looking for someone who said, well, I, went with, I went with my wife for two years and before we got married and we never had sex. In fact, we didn't even kiss. And you're like, that's amazing. Guard my wall. I don't know how you did that, but can you stand right here? And when you see me doing something that looks like you, something you didn't do, tell me. Okay? Talk to me. Slap me into wisdom. <laughs> Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Wound me right here. Right? Wound me in my parts that need wounded. How many of you know what I'm saying? I think maybe you guys took it a little differently than I meant it, but, but then again, maybe it had a double meaning. So let's move on. So I stationed people in the lowest parts of the wall, and the lowest parts of the wall aren't necessarily where I've fallen, but they are where I've been tempted. The exposed places is where I've fallen. Right? So these places, I've been tempted by porn, but I've never actually done it. Like, mm, thought about it a couple times, walked in on, you know, a movie that I shouldn't have saw. But, but, but I'm, not, I'm not on there clicking on the computer and, you know, masturbating to something on. I'm not doing that. 
But, I, but I have, it's a great temptation. But then there's exposed places like, yeah, actually, I've been involved in that. I bought the magazines. I've done that before. I've watched those movies. Hmm. Okay, those are the places I'm finding strength. Listen, I just want to say this to you. You want to stay out of fear? Find people that you respect who will help you through these times while you rebuild the walls of your life. How do I know if I found the right person? You will, be, you will think about, listen, let's say that you've struggled with lying. Just be really simple. You're like, you know, I really struggle with lying. When I'm under pressure, I don't tell the truth. Okay, what am I afraid of? Gosh, my dad punished me so bad whenever I would tell the truth about something that it was better to lie than it was to be punished. So I sort of learned the wrong thing. I sort of I get under pressure. I'm like, man, if I tell the truth right here, the world's going to come, you know, the whole world's going to go to hell and I'm going to go with it. And so, and so I'm learning to tell the truth under pressure, right? I'm learning to tell the truth under pressure. So I need somebody who, when I think of lying and having to confess to them that I lied, it makes me a little bit nervous. I know I have the right accountability when I think, okay, I picture myself lying and then having to go talk to Brandon about the fact that I just lied. Yeah. If I think, well, I wouldn't have any problem talking to Brandon. I'm like, yeah, well, he's, that's probably because he's lied too. And when I'm going to get is mercy, and Brandon's not a liar. I'm just using it as an example. I'm saying, I'm not looking for somebody who's going to go, oh, brother, you know, kumbaya, hallelujah, let's just worship together. I'm looking for someone to say, I am so disappointed that you behave like that. Have you asked God to forgive you? Yes. Okay, it's time to get that shame off you then. And let's never do that again because you're acting way below your nature. Those are the kind of people that I'm looking for. Okay? If I suck at finances, I'm not looking for accountability with somebody else who's, who has financial problems. I'm looking for somebody who has done a good job in that area. I'm looking for someone, I'm a little nervous to say, I just put $1,000 on my credit card because I was feeling powerless. I felt so powerful for the whole day. <laughs> then the bill came. Hallelujah, I got a revelation. Yeah, master charge showed up, and I figured out that I'm someone else's, someone else's my master, and I'm their slave when the bill came. I'm like, slavery, slavery, slavery. Okay? You get the idea. So, so how do we stay out of fear? We find people who will stand with us as we rebuild our walls so that I'm not standing by myself, so I'm living in communi- community. How many understand? Communion. Common union. Common union. One of the ways I stay out of fear is to stay in, the co- in common union. I stay in community. Therefore, you, you know, Jason made the statement, probably he shared it here. That I, he said, I've had many circumstances that were greater than me, but I've never found a circumstance greater than my family. Now, obviously, we're talking about God as part of that. What happens when, you know, you can get, you can, what, what, <laughs> I guess it was the prophet Chiquita who said, it's the banana that leaves the bunch that gets eaten. <laughs> what does the wolf do? He tries to get one of the sheep to wander off. 
There's is, there is, you, get, you finally got it off. Some of you aren't going to laugh till you get home. You're like, Chiquita what? <laughs> Famous. And I will eat an M&M to that. Mm. I, what I'm doing right now is I'm rewarding myself every time I say something good. I have brown ones that I eat when I say something wrong. Okay, so let's go on. Psalms 78, verse 9. Okay, we're talking about fear. How do we stay out of fear? First one is, we realize that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and sound mind, so that fear can be a spirit. Second thing is, I realize that I have to stay in the love of God, that the love of God drives away fear in my life. Third thing is, I need to station people in the lowest parts of my life. I need to stay in community and realize that when the devil's raging, it's probably because I'm doing something awesome. Okay? The next thing is Psalm 78, verse 9. I love this. I learned this from Bill. Probably learned all this from Bill, actually. The sons of Ephraim were archers equipped with bows, yet they turned back in the day of battle. Get this. The sons of Ephraim were archers equipped with bows. Yet, you know, in our day we would say, you know, equipped with uh, automatic weapons. But they turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in His law because they forgot His deeds and His miracles that He had shown them. They were fully equipped for battle. But why did they run? They forgot His testimonies. What does this have to do with fear? When I get afraid, I start to remember what God did for me, knowing that the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What he did before, what he did for me before, he'll do again. What he did for you, he'll do for me. Yeah. And I, I can tell you that if you look at my journals, and I'm not a great journaler, so I just confessed another, uh, brown, I need brown. <laughs> Gosh, I'm out of brown, that's a problem. I wonder how that happened. I'm not a great journaler. I, I, I'm concerned because I've kept my journals for my, for my kids and my grandkids. And I think that someday, you know, I would like each one of my kids and grandkids to have one of my journals. But, you know, every once in a while I read through my journals and I think my kids are going to think that I was like clinically depressed. Because the only time I journal is when I'm not doing well. <laughs> and I was going through one of my journals from like three years ago. And I was going through a really hard time, and I wrote, I'm dealing with lots of fear, anxiety. And, um, and I made a list of about 50 things that God had done for me in my life. So I, I physically wrote down the testimonies around the area that I was dealing with. And it happened to be a physical thing. I was going through some physical problems, and I wrote down 50 other times I thought I was going to die from things and did not. I'm like, okay, how do you deal with fear? Well, one of the ways is, listen, you can be fully equipped, but if you forgot what God did, you won't remember what he's about to do. So it's really important that we keep testimonies close to us. Listen, I want to give you, everybody who raised their hand today, I won't have you do it again, you're dealing with a high level of anxiety or fear, you raised your hand. I would like you in the next week, and I don't want to put a bunch of pressure on you, go home Write down everything you can think of that God did in the area you're afraid. So let's say you're afraid that uh, your fear right now is about finances. Let's say you're like, man, 
I'm broke, and I'm, you know, I don't have any food at home, and I'm afraid I'm going to get thrown out of my house. Okay, awesome. <laughs> this is a great time for a miracle. What do I do? All the people who said, yeah, you all have money. The people who didn't say anything, those are the people who are hurting. Just get a notepad and write down every time God provided for you miraculously. Write it down. And I'll tell you, this is what will happen if you're anything like me. When I was going through this physical thing, and I won't tell you what, it doesn't really matter, but I was going through this physical thing that could have been something really serious, turned out not to be, by the way. I had to wait for tests to come back. That took about three weeks. You know how that is? Like every day, it's like, I think it's getting worse. It's growing. My legs are falling off. I don't know what I have. It's probably, I don't know if it's Alzheimer's. Do legs fall off when you have Alzheimer's? I can't even remember. Anyway. (laughs) That's a good one right there. When I went to write a list of everything that God, every time God had healed me, or every time I'd been afraid and it turned out to be nothing, I sat there for about 20 minutes and couldn't remember the first one. You know why? I'm in the wrong mode. I'm in fear mode. I'm not in faith mode. See, in fear mode, I can't remember anything God did. So what's happening is, is that I have, to get my, I have to get my spirit to get out of fear mode and into faith mode. And how do I do that? I force it to think about the works of God. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, I can't think of, man... You know, I, I, I really can't think of one time when God ever healed me. And then pretty soon I'm like, you know, I remember I had this problem with my knee. I could hardly walk. And Bill said, there's someone here with a problem with their right knee. And instantly I didn't feel heat. I didn't feel anything. But instantly the pain went away. And from that day on, the swelling was gone. And I played basketball the next day. And I was fine. I'm like, I wrote that down. Then I started thinking about, oh, I had a hernia that God healed. God healed my hernia. I wrote that down. And, then I, and pretty soon, now what's happening? I've switched to faith, and now I can remember. Faith remembers. Are you with me? And I ended up with, I think, I think like 40 or 50 different times through my life, from my childhood, when things happen in my life, you know how you get totally freaked out. You're like, oh, this is going to be bad. I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to say, you got cancer all through your body. You know, you got three minutes to live. Well, now you got two. <laughs> You know, don't you, do you ever have that freak out? You're like, I'm going to go to the doctor. I don't, you know. And, and then the doctor sends you to the specialist. Then you know, oh, I'm going to die for sure. Probably you got, you got two minutes to get to the specialist because you only got, you know, a minute and a half to live, you know. <laughs> specialist means, like, I, I don't, listen, I can't figure out what's wrong with you because it's so serious. I'm like, oh, I've been to the specialist many times. So, so I, I can't think of any testimonies when I'm in fear mode. So I force my mind, called transformed in Romans 12, 1. That's good. I'll eat to that. I transform my mind. That was a good one. Transform my mind by forcing it to think from faith. Um, I'll tell you this. Every board meeting that we have here, that we have once a month about finances, we start with an hour of testimony. We don't want to talk about 
our finances without talking about what God did already. Otherwise, we start building on our provision instead of His vision. We reduce, we reduce what we can do down to the money we have in the bank instead of according to what He's done with, for us in the past. So we share testimonies. We start every staff meeting with testimonies. In fact, staff meetings are actually mostly testimonies. It's usually an hour and a half of testimonies. Very seldom. In fact, I just went to a Bethel Media meeting, and the first agenda was testimonies. I mean, I'm, we're talking about media department, and we're talking about the victories of the media department before we talk about the problems. And I'm over there to talk about problems. But we're not going to start with problems. We're going to start with the victories. When you start with victories, it's amazing what kind of solutions you come up with problems, for problems. But when you start from problems, it's amazing how fear can grow. That's a good word, Chris. Good, yeah. Okay. We're back to Nehemiah, chapter 6. How many of you know the book of Nehemiah fairly well? Okay. How many of you are dealing with uh, some level of anxiety? Little, a little anxiety or a lot? Would you raise your hand, please? Okay, Nehemiah. You should read Nehemiah. If you're super busy, and I understand you got a lot of reading to do, I would read Nehemiah chapter 4 and chapter 6 if you don't have time to read the whole book, which I understand you have a lot of reading right now. I would read chapter 4 and chapter 6. I'm telling you, it's like a prescription. I read them all the time. When I get afraid, I go back to chapter 4, and I'll read through chapter 4, and I'll read through chapter 6. I, I love these two chapters. Now, here, verse, let's just go to verse 1. Now, when it was reported to Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Gershoms and the Arabs, and Gershom the Arab, and to the rest of the enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall, and that no breach remained in it, although at the time I had not set up the doors in its gates. Okay, so now, what's happening? I got my walls set up, but I still, there's still access. There's still access to my soul through the gates, Right? I still don't know how to say no to my friends. I still don't know how to say no to anything. I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know how to... I have no manager over the gate of my life. I'm overcommitted constantly. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. There's just full access to, you know, I don't know how to say, I can't go out tonight. I don't know how to say, no, I can't actually do that. I, I don't know how to say, um, you know, I, I'm going to... I can't, you know, I'm, I'm constantly overcommitted because I'm afraid that you're going to reject me. So the walls are up, but the gates of access are still not set in place. And he says this, then Sambalat, verse 2, Sambalat and Gershom sent a message to me saying, come let us meet together in Cherim in the Valley of Ono. Now if you go down to the Valley of Ono, you will figure out why they called it, oh, no. <laughs> it's interesting because, oh, no, actually means plain. It means ordinary, halfway, mediocre. Come and meet me in mediocre. Come and be a mediocre Christian. Listen, it looks like you got your walls up pretty well. It's awesome. Let's negotiate. Let's not put up the gates. You know, you're, let's, just, let's just be, don't, let's not be radical, okay? Let's be mediocre. 
They want to meet me in plain, in ordinary. But he said this, but they were planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work and cannot come down. I want you to all say this. I am doing a great work. And I can't come down and talk to you. This is awesome. When the enemy starts to harass you, you need to say, listen, I don't have time to talk to you. I don't have time to think about you. Actually, I'm so busy working for God, I don't have any time to talk to you. See, it isn't always like, okay, warfare isn't always, I'm going to go after that demon. Sometimes it's, sometimes the greatest warfare is, I'm going to go after God. I don't even have time for demons I'm so busy with God. And so he says this to him. So I sent messengers saying, I'm doing a great work for God. Verse 4. They sent messengers to me four times in the same manner. And I answered them in the same way. You know, sometimes it isn't new revelation. It's just renewed revelation. I answered him in the same way. You know, Jesus, take your net and cast it on the other side. We've been fishing all night. Listen, we've already done this. How many of you understand that it isn't always new stuff that gives us a breakthrough? Sometimes it's just renewed stuff. Sometimes it's just doing again what you've already done before. Sometimes it's Luke 18. You just persevere. You just keep chopping away at it. It's like you don't know when the tree is going to fall. I remember when we were in uh, Weaverville, we used to um, heat with wood. And we would split these great big logs. You know, we would cut up all the small ones and then we'd have to split these great big logs. And I re- remember being a flatlander. That's most of y'all. People who, you know, greenhorns. You don't know what you're doing. And, 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 and I was with this mountain man. And a mountain man is 25 years or more in the mountains. You have to live 25 years or more to even qualify to be a mountain man. Otherwise, you're still a city slicker in jeans and I remember that we, he gave me this big log and uh, his, and, and his, uh, his name was uh, Greg and Greg gave me this big log and he was a mountain man with a big ponytail and I mean he, 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 he looked like Grizzly Adams and he's like here Flatlander split this one and I, I, got, the, I got the mall you know what a mall is a mall's not an axe a mall's like it's got like 8 pounds, 10 pounds, 12 pounds to it. And it's got, it looks like a sledgehammer with a, with a wedge on one end. And so I hit the thing as hard as I could. Boom! It bounced off. And uh, my friend just looked over. Yeah, Flatlander. Greenhorn doesn't know what he's doing. And so I hit it about, I hit that thing about 80 times. Boom! 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 And it, it looked like a checkerboard. When I got done, he goes, you got, and, and you know, of course he split about 10, 10 rounds in the time I was beaten on that one. And he comes over, he says, what are you doing? I said, well, you said, you know, I'm doing what you told me. He says, no, 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 listen, what I want you to do is I want you to swing that mall and I want you to hit it in the same place. I want you to hit that thing in the same place. I hit it, boom, hit it again in the same place. Well, that took a little talent, which took me a while. And I hit it again, and I hit it again, and I hit it again. And I'm like, it's not splitting. He's like, I said, keep hitting it in the same place. Just keep, don't, don't, don't hit, just hit it in the same place. 
about the 15th hit, I hear, he goes, now follow the crack. Follow the crack. Once you get a breakthrough, follow the crack. Persistence. See, you don't know if it's the first hit or the 50th, but it's going to split because steel is greater than wood. And if I keep hitting it, it's going to split. It's going to split. Sometimes you have to use a wedge, and that's a whole other thing. But, but right now, persistence. I keep hitting it, not in a different place. Because I hit in a different place, we get to start over. We get new demons we're fighting. <laughs> but when I keep hitting that same spirit in the same place, and I keep saying, you know what? You're a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. God's going to come for me. God's going to save me. You're a liar. Well, you need to think of something new. No, this will work. What are you doing? It's like the Rocky movie. I'm wearing them out. <laughs> you remember like Rocky Ford when the Russian kept knocking Rocky down and the, the, uh, the manager leans over to his father-in-law and says, what is he doing? He says, winning. Rocky, move. Go ahead, hit me. Go ahead, hit me. You can learn a lot from a Rocky movie. You know, we are the rocks, living stones. Some of you are like trying to think that's deep or something, but it's actually just funny. Okay. Verse four. They sent messengers four times in the same manner, and I answered them back four times. Then Sambalat sent his servant to me in the same manner a fifth time with an open letter in his hand. It is written, it's reported among the nations, and Gershom says that you and the Jews are planning to rebel. Therefore, you're rebuilding the wall. And you'll be their king according to these reports. You're also appointed, you have also appointed prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you a king in Judea. Now it will be reported to your king according to these reports. So come now and let us counsel together. Then I sent the message to him saying, Such things you are saying have not been done, but you are inventing them in your own mind. Plain English. You're crazy. (laughs) Verse 9. For all of them were trying to what? Frighten us. All of them. What was the goal? They were trying to frighten us. They were saying they will become discouraged. They were trying to frighten us so that they will become discouraged. How many of you are discouraged? (laughs) They will become... (laughs) For they were trying to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged with the work and it will not be done. And here's Nehemiah. I love Nehemiah's prayer life. Now, God, strengthen my hands. Amen. No long prayers in Nehemiah. Just done. I prayed. It's done. Then I entered the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delilah, the son of... who was confined at home. (laughs) These guys need to get some new names. And they said... Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Get this, within the temple. Everybody say, within the temple. (laughs) Let us close the doors of the temple. 
for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you at night. I call this the homeschool spirit. I, hey, wait, wait. You didn't let me finish. I, listen, if you were homeschooled, that's awesome. If you were homeschooled, so little Johnny, the world won't hurt little Johnny. I'm like, well, I don't know what little Johnny's going to do when little Johnny gets out of homeschool and gets exposed to the world. But I have no problem if, you're, if your mom is teaching you how to be a Holy Spirit trained I mean, terrorist and your, your, your house is like a terrorist training cell and your parents are training all the little children how to destroy the works of the devil. That's awesome. But I do have a problem with, we're going to put little Johnny in a bubble. Oh, we sent him to Christian school, but even the Christians were too mean. I'm like, oh, please, can we stop this nonsense? You just heard it right here, verse 10. I'm going to, that's red one. My kids... We're not homeschooled. They went to a Christian school with 30 kids in it. And they got themselves an edumacation. <laughs> then they went to high school, a secular high school, a little cultural shock. The cuss there. Well, that's just terrible, Johnny. How are you going to deal with that? I'll teach her yell at me, and, and, and she used the cuss word. Whatever. I don't want to go to school anymore. Oh, man, what have we done with our children? We've raised them in a little class bubble. I am so sick of Christians hiding in the temple. That ain't gonna cool me down, lady. I'm mad. Thank you. I'll tell you what, once you get saved, the devil wants you to stay in church. Just stay in the church, man. Go four times a week, you know? We just need you to stay inside the building and don't bring any of that stuff you're learning out of here and screw up the world with the stuff you're learning. Oh, I'm so tired of overprotected Christians. Fragile believers. Huh? I'm working for a boss. He's a rageaholic. Awesome. I want to quit and go to work for the church. It's worse around here. You should try working for me. brown one I'm a nice guy I just do think that you can overemphasize creating a safe place to the place where it becomes ridiculous where Christians are running around so fragile oh Johnny talked to me bad today Johnny's in a bad mood I'm so hurt I need three counselors and five sozos it's like oh dude you wouldn't endure the first day of my grandfather I'm right about that. <laughs> Faithful are the wounds of a friend should be over your doorpost of your head. So every time you get a, 
another knot on it. You look in the mirror and you're like, that's a faithful of the wounds of a friend. I remember my mama used to grab me by the shoulder and leave a mark on purpose. It was called a monument. She would just grab me when I was a kid and squeeze. I know, they called child protection agencies for that now. But in those days, it was called discipline. I'm not saying it was right, but it definitely wasn't the Jedi mind trick. My mom would say, when I get you home, like we'd be in the store and I'd be messing up, she'd say, when I get you home and your father gets home, it's going to get very ugly. And I would spend the next two hours trying to talk her into not telling my dad. (sighs) I feel so much better. What I'm really trying to say is we stop being fragile. You are not fragile. I feel fragile. It's a lie. It's a lie. If Paul and Silas can be in the lowest dungeon, prison, the lowest places in a, in a dungeon, and can sing praises to God, you can endure your stupid boss who doesn't know how to speak anything but Egyptian. You can handle it. You can handle it. I don't feel like I can. You can And who knows if you might come to Christ through there. Well, how do I know if I'm supposed to leave? Well, you'll know you're supposed to leave when you're not afraid to stay. I don't know if you got that. I'm not going to let fear drive me out of someone's life. I tell you that. If you scare me, I'm about to stay in your life for a long time. None of you scare me. Man, I am such on a roll right now. This revelation's coming to me. I don't know if it's the Lord, but it's really, really passionate. So, verse 10. When they entered the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delilah, the son of Melshanah, who was confined at home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they're coming to kill us. They're coming to kill us at night. But I said, should a man like me flee? (laughs) I am not fragile. Should a man like me flee? Should one such as I go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in there. Get this next verse, I love it. Then, everybody say then. Then I perceived that surely God had not sent him. When did I perceive it? When I refused to be afraid. A lot of people stuck in church worried about the devil. Oh, have you heard about the Illuminati? Oh. Man is not going to save you. If he's human, he's not your answer. And if she's human, it's possible she's your answer. That was a joke. Then I perceived that surely God had not sent him, but he'd uttered his prophecy against me, because Tobiah and Sembalat had hired him. He was, listen to this. He was hired for this reason, that I might become frightened. Everybody say frightened. frightened. And act accordingly and sin. So that they might have an evil report in order that they can reproach me. Get this. I love this prayer. Remember, O God, 
Tobiah and Sembella according to these works of theirs, and also Nodadiah, the prophetess, and the rest of the prophets who were trying to frighten me. What were the prophets trying to do? Frighten me. Oh, the whole West Coast is going to have an earthquake. Ha! That's encouraging, exhorting, and comforting. Thank you very much. (laughs) Oh, let me just fix it. But you're going to have a great raft business. What were the prophets doing? Trying to frighten me. How many of you understand when you have prophetic ministry that instills fear, it's the wrong spirit? I love this. Verse 15. So the wall was completed in the 25th month of Elu in 52 days. What they couldn't do in 72 years, they did in 52 days. When all of our enemies heard of it and all the surrounding nations saw it, They lost their confidence, for they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of God. That just rocks. When is fear going to be out of your life? When you press through, the, when you cross over the chicken line, and you just keep going. You know, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I walk. I don't sit down. I don't build a house there. It's like, when I sit down in the valley of the shadow of death, no, you lie by the still waters, hello, you lay in the green pastures, but you walk in the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes you just got to keep walking. Well, I'm scared. Just keep walking. What do I do right now? Keep walking. I'm still scared. Well, walk until you get out of scared. (laughs) I've done that. (laughs) You haven't done enough. How do you know? The log hasn't split. Just keep walking. I just want to stop right here. Don't stop right here. You're in the valley of the shadow of death. This is not the green pastures. This is not the still waters. This is not the place to build a home. This, you know, it shall come to pass. Is one of the most used phrases in the Gospels. It has come so it could pass. (laughs) Right? It has come to pass. What do I do if I'm in the shadow of the valley of death? Keep going. If you see a shadow, it means there's a light. That means you're under the wings. It feels dark in here. Awesome. Keep walking. You know, I'm not against counseling. I'm not. I think Jason and Danny, some of our team, I don't want to dishonor anybody. I mean, we have great counseling here. But listen, you can't hide in the counselor's office. At some point, you have to get what they told you and go out there and do it. You know what? 45 counseling sessions about being afraid to fly isn't going to fix your problem until you get on the plane and fly. Well, I'll feel scared to get on a plane. You're going to feel scared the first time the Second time, the third time, when is it going to stop? When it stops, you keep flying till it stops. What if I, what if I'm afraid 20 times? Then fly 21. Just keep going till till you're not afraid anymore. Well, I talked to my counselor. Well, have him go with you then. (laughs) 
I'm afraid of authority. Then have some. Get some. I said, I'm afraid of it. Well, you're not going to get not afraid of it by talking to somebody about it. Let me say this. Talk to somebody about it, and then you're still going to be afraid. Talk about your issues. Talk about why you're afraid. Have them pray for you. Awesome. You know what's going to happen the first time you relate to authority? Unless you've got some kind of miracle, which I don't discount, you're going to be afraid. What do I do about that? Keep talking. Keep connecting. I'm afraid of men. I'm afraid of women. And I'm married. I don't know if that was really the answer I was looking for, but... Do not let fear tell you what to do. Do not reduce your life to the level of your fear. I'm going to tell you something. If you run from a dog, it will chase you. It will chase you. Your fears will grow as you run. Do not run from fear. If you submit to God and resist the devil, who's running? Him or you? He's going to run from you. But if you run from fear, listen, I don't fly. Well, pretty soon you don't drive. And pretty soon you can't ride a bike. And pretty soon you can't ride a tricycle. You know, and pretty soon you can't watch a racing movie. I mean, it just gets that bad. <laughs> just, you just got to keep going. You just got to, whatever it is you're afraid of, go after it. You got a taunting giant? Run to the battlefield. Well, why would I run? Because if you think about it long enough, you'll run away from the battlefield. That's why. Don't contemplate. Don't think about how big the giant is. Well, he looks pretty big right there. You keep thinking about him, he grows. Isn't it true, though? Think about your problem. Watch how big it gets. We all tell you, he's getting bigger all the time. I know he's getting bigger all the time. And you know what? The problem isn't that he's getting bigger. It's that God's getting littler, and so are you. That's a good word, Chris. Thank you very much. That's a good word. Jude, verse 24. Now, now. Everybody say now. Now. It's right now. Now to him. Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority, before all time, and now, and forever. Amen. Now on to him who's able. I don't feel like I can do this. <laughs> you can't. You can't. You're in a possible situation. Huh? Yeah, you said you want to be a miracle worker, so God put you in an impossible situation. So what do I do now? Now on to him who's able. We are the true circumcision, Paul said, who put no confidence in the flesh, but glory in Christ Jesus. When are you going to get the, when are you going to start to understand you can't do this? Listen, being a Christian isn't hard. It's impossible. It's impossible. You can't do this. That's the point. I can't do life anymore. I'm going to kill myself. You already did. That's why in the book of Jude it says, doubly dead. You're already dead once. 
When you, see Jesus, when you receive Jesus Christ, you died. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. How are you going to kill a dead person? I don't want to live anymore. You're already dead, so that's good. I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? I don't know. That's why I'm going to kill myself. Well, whatever you're afraid of is worse than dying. I'm afraid I can't pay my bills, so I'm going to kill myself. Well, this is rational. This is definitely not coming from an evil spirit. This totally makes total sense. <laughs> my girlfriend broke up with me, and I'm so depressed, I'm going to kill myself. Oh, that's perfectly rational. So there is, there's only 7 billion people on the planet, and that would be about 3.5 billion other women, which are about... 2.5 billion aren't, don't have anybody, and about 2 billion would like you. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. You can reverse this and make it a man, you know? It's like, it's just like, what I'm trying to say is fear will make you completely irrational. It'll make you completely irrational. I'm afraid that I can't pay my rent, so I will go kill myself. Oh, it makes perfect sense. And then I'm afraid to die. <laughs> so I might as well pay my rent. <laughs> I have a PhD in this stuff, guys. This is like, I can tell you just about everything you can be afraid of. I have been afraid of it. Second <laughs> Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Oh, let me see if I can get the rest of this. This is really good. Are you guys all right? Are you bored at all? No. Okay. Because of, verse 7, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I employed the Lord three times that it might leave me. Verse 9, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I'd rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness and with insults and with distress, with persecutions and with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. Anyone feeling weak? You're strong. That's just a good word right there. Isaiah fifty-four fourteen In righteousness... You shall be established. You will be far from oppression, for you will not fear, and from terror, for will not come near you. Get this. In righteousness you shall be established. You will be far from oppression, for you will not fear. What happens if you do fear? Oppression will be near you. Oppression has friends. Fear has friends. Did you get that? Like, you don't want to get afraid because oppression comes near. I feel oppressed. Were you afraid first? You probably were. You open the, the door of fear and oppression comes in your life. What do I do? Stop being afraid. I don't feel like it can stop. Then start loving God. Sometimes I can't stop being afraid, but I can start loving God. And perfect love casts out fear. Sometimes I can just worship. I'm, I'm, how am I? I don't feel like worshiping. That's why it's a sacrifice. It's called a sacrifice of praise because I don't feel like doing it. And I go, God, you're amazing. You're awesome. Actually, I don't feel that way at all, but I know it's true. 
I know it's true. And so, you know, I enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's my response to God's acts. I enter his courts with praise. That's my response to God's, uh, God's attitudes, his, his, his personhood. I enter his gates with thanksgiving. I enter his courts with praise. My response to God's attributes. And then I worship at his feet. My response to God's presence. My, God, my response to God's actions. My response to God's attitudes. And my response to God's presence. If I get really afraid, sometimes I just have to go someplace. Like sometimes it's the bathroom, lock the door, and just go, God, I thank you. And he's like, what are you thanking me for? I can't think of one thing right now. Okay, I'm thankful because I paid the rent this month. I'm thankful that you gave me money for the rent. I'm thankful that you gave me a great wife. I'm thankful for my kids. Pretty soon, God, I'm thankful, and it's, it's rushing in on me. And so at first, I'm thankful for his actions. And pretty soon, I'm thinking about his actions, and I'm thinking, God, I'm, I'm so thankful you paid the rent. I was afraid, and you paid the rent for me. I'm thankful for your actions. God, I'm, I'm thankful that you, that you saved my soul. I'm thankful that you, you took care of my dog. God, I'm thankful that you got me an apartment. God, I'm thankful. And pretty soon I'm saying, God, you're so wonderful for doing that. God, you are so compassionate. I didn't deserve that. Remember, I was angry with you, and you paid my rent anyway. And what am I doing? Now I'm recalling not his actions, but his attitudes. I'm, I'm recalling why he did what he did. And pretty soon, no longer am I, is, am I, am I thanking him and praising him, but soon I'm worshiping him, which is my response to his presence. But if I can't get through the gates of thanksgiving, I'm probably not going to get into the holy place of presence. So one of the best ways to get rid of the presence of the devil is to bring in the presence of God. They don't get along at all. <laughs> Are you with me? Yeah. I'm really tormented. Okay, you know, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, the video. They made a movie out of it. And I wrote a book about it. What do I do? I wake up in the middle of the night tormented. Well, here's a few clues. First thing I would do is I'd get my journal out and I would write down every good thing you can think of in your life that God's ever done for you. I can't think of any. That's what we're trying to do. Shift mindset. Okay, I, I did that. I'm still afraid. I got 50 things written down. I'm still afraid. Okay, great. Next thing I would do is I would start giving, I would take those things and I'd start giving thanks for them. Okay, so now I got a list to give thanks for. And I mean simple things. It may be, it may be you got a flat and someone pulled over to change it for you. I just mean that. I just mean that whatever you're really thankful for, not pretend things. Oh, I got a flat yesterday. Guy pulled over, changed my flat, made it to school on time. God, I'm thankful for that. I don't know how much of that you were involved in, but you know, if you see the birds of the air fall and you care about that, probably you were involved in that. I thank you for that. And I said, what's the next one? The next one is, yeah, uh, the next one is I, I, was, I was sick and I, I felt like that was going to be a three-day sickness and it lasted only a day. Not a big thing, but you know what? Three days sick was a lot worse. I thank you for that. And I'm looking at, and pretty soon I don't have to look at my list. I'm thinking of him. I'm remembering him. I'm, it's the middle of the night, and I remember him. And you know what's happening? Anxiety is beginning to lift. You know how I know that? Because I've been through this a hundred times. Anxiety started to lift. Lord, I thank you. And you know what happens? And I'm, we're getting close to the end. You know what happens 
if the enemy is involved, if he is the one scaring me, if I turn every fright into worship, then every time he comes to punish me, he leaves with bruises. If he learns, and listen, the devil's insane, but he's not stupid. If he learns that every time he scares me, it results in me loving God more, I guarantee you he's going to be smart enough to know that isn't working. If every time he bugs me at night, I wake up, and instead of going, oh, I'm afraid, I go, Jesus, I thank you. Where's my list? Oh, you know what? If I don't have a list, I just grab my Bible, and I just read. I just read. Let me just read out loud. Hey, let me read the book of Revelation right here with the pit and the and the and a beast. <laughs> Stay right here. I got some verses I'd like to read you. And I, I mean, I'm shaking. I'm scared. I'm I'm feeling tormented. And I start to read. You know, from his from his mouth comes a sharp sword, and it will strike down the nations, and he will rule them with the rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of his furious wrath of God and he has something on his thigh and it's called King of Kings and Lord of Lords and, and, I, and I said I'm like yeah that's a good verse right there and then I saw New Jerusalem coming down oh that's awesome and where's the lake of fire one I don't even have it here <laughs> yeah I'm gonna get the lake of fire one right here somewhere it's in here and, and then I, I just start to read the, hang on just stay with right with me I got the lake of fire one right here somewhere it's in, this, it's in this thing right here in this book, right here. And, and I, I just, you know, I, it's like I, I just start to read to the devil. I'm glad you showed up. I was just getting my devotional. It's three in the morning. I <laughs> forgot it yesterday, doing my devotional right here. Why don't you sit right here while we do it together? We can do it together. Because you like the Bible. I know it's one of your favorite books. You use it on Jesus. Let's, let's use some of these. Yes. And I saw the devil, and he was chained for a thousand years. Wow. You're going to be chained for a thousand years. Wow. Ooh, ooh, wee. And then, and then you're going to be thrown in a lake of fire where you're going to burn forever and ever. That sounds like a long time. Hey, where are you going? Come back here. i got some more things to talk to you about. You know, you know what I mean? That's just a good word right there. I'm going to finish with this verse. I'm just going to read it to you. Listen to this. You ready? Joshua chapter 1. I used to get up in the middle of the night when I was tormented, and I would read these verses. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. <laughs> I like that. I'm sure it means something else, but it just sounds like he's a son of a nun. <laughs> it isn't. I understand some Hebrew deep thing, but I don't know what it is because I hardly know English. And <laughs> verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I have given to them, to the sons of Israel. I love this. I'm not giving it to you, Joshua. I'm giving it to them. You're not living for yourself, Joshua. You're living for somebody else. Get off your butt and start producing. Every place in which the sole of your foot treads, I have given to you 
just as I spoke to Moses from the wilderness of this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you, nor will I forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do all according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it from the right to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of your law, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Stand. Say this. I am strong. And I am courageous. For the Lord is with me wherever I go. And when I meditate on the Lord, on His works, on His word, on His deeds in my life, I make my way prosperous. And I bring other people into their promises. For I was born to be successful. I will not be afraid. I will not be tormented. And I will not be driven out of the land of my promises. And I will not stand by and be punished when I've been called to be victorious. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to find out more, read my blog or listen to the previous podcast episodes. Go to chrisvelleton.com. Have an awesome day.